I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Now we're here. Here we are. Make Cindy me laugh. Watts. Make me laugh. Make me laugh. Really? Yeah. That's where our relationship. Make me laugh. It's like people have been married for years. Just, they, Just do it. Hi, babe. Make Hi. me laugh. Make me laugh. Mm-hmm. You ready? I'm ready. I accidentally drank invisible ink. Now I'm in the hospital waiting to be seen. <laughs> no. So you know what this reminds me of? Okay, what? I probably shouldn't tell this story. We'll end up deleting it out and we'll have to start over again. Did you see the news story today about the little lady in California in the nursing home where they served her dish soap? What? And then she died? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. They served her dish. There's a joke in that sentence. Well, I understand. That's why your joke reminded me of that. They they put <laughs> dish soap in a cup for this old woman in a oh, nursing home. Oh, she thought home. she was drinking like... Juice. Blue juice, I guess. Okay. Let's back up for a second. All right. What other blue juice do they normally serve at the nursing home? Gatorade? I don't know. Blue Gatorade? Yeah, okay. Oh my God. And she drank it and died. And she drank it and died. And that's what your... You sure that ink. wasn't clickbait and you've just been like... You bit the hook and now it's stuck in your mouth and you're repeating it now on your podcast? I'm pretty sure it was a legitimate news story. Okay. I can Google. That's, that's insane. I can first ask of the all. Google. Yes. Also, mother washing your mouth out with soap. Did you ever do that? Oh, God, no. They put you in jail for that now, I think. Really? Because I totally had to freaking lick soap all the time as a kid. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. No. Absolutely. No. Nope. No. Oh my gosh. I don't even give my kids like mean looks. <laughs> we we had the punishment. I think we've talked about this before where you had to go pick your switch. You have mentioned that. And that's really awkward because you know, like the older kids know you're not going to get hit with it. <laughs> and you get the, you have, you're, 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 you're in a tooth fairy moment, you know, like hold this in and it's power. Release the power and your your little brother doesn't know that he needs to not, you know, you can come back with a regular stick. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That all seems so complicated. And look, how about this? If it's blue, don't drink it just as a rule. I mean, don't, isn't that why they make antifreeze blue? I don't know. Like, I I don't know anything blue besides like blue Gatorade. Mm -mm. There's some blue. Maybe an icy. An icy. Yep. But in general, yeah, no, it's a bad choice. Okay. I'm going to give you a different dad joke then. Okay. Why did the crab cross the road? Oh, why did the crab cross the road? It didn't. It used the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you they're terrible. They're, they're, all we're here is to try to warm you up and get your personality, you know, in case you've been in a struggle getting here or... We haven't seen each other in a while. Yes. Whatever. Whatever. Well, guess where we are now? Where 52 are we now? is now in its third release. That's crazy. So we're we're at we're literally at the halfway mark. We are halfway done. We have 
three and four to go, right? Depending on when this comes yeah. out. Yeah. 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 We have volume three and volume four. Yep. And then this year long celebration of music. And this year long celebration of Christian. Oh my gosh. And Cindy is really what we're figuring out. It's her birthday. <laughs> it's I don't my have birthday all year. Christian's birthday. I don't have birthdays anymore. You know what it is? It was just because I had a photo shoot on my 52nd birthday. So now when I'm 62, people will look at that and be like, man, he looks good. <laughs> and right there in the title, it'll be like 52 and they won't see it. They'll be like, man, he, he was looking good. He aged well. That's a stare. <laughs> Do you think men age well better than women? I think it depends on the man. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, here's something real interesting. All right. I have some, I, uh, the, the two songs, the pairing today yes. is uh, Diamond Motel, right? Yes. Which is the very first song off 52 New Blue mm-hmm. and Feeling Fine California, which is a song from uh, the Southern Gravity record. Yes. And uh, mostly I, I decided to pair these together because why is Christian so obsessed with California? Because it's lovely. Well, it's, it's, it's a little bit because it's mysterious. So this, uh, my first obsession of a city or state or place I'd never been that started to show up in my songs was New Orleans. So up until, I guess, 1990, mm-hmm. I had had this. I was making it up in my head what New Orleans was like. It was full of like magic and voodoo and music and hot hot women with like big hips i don't know why i thought that like gypsy hips or something um that sounds like a song for your jammy band Gypsy hips. my jammy band your jammy band thank you grandma you're welcome (laughs) do you like some blue juice um and uh you're trying to kill me, aren't you? No, well, I fantasized about what it would be like to be in New Orleans because it was the most mysterious of the southern cities to me. And so I wrote songs about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never been. And I remember the first time I went there, I was opening, Andrew and I went there uh, as Billy Pilgrim and we were opening for Michelle Malone, which was a big act at the time in Atlanta. And she was touring regionally and we got an opening slot and we played at the Howlin' Wolf. Um, and the man who was there uh watched us get hustled out of like three pool games <laughs> they while we were between sound check and shows and we knew how much money we had lost but I, it was so magical to me that whole like new orleans was crazy it had people who had one word names like cooter and <clears throat> stuff like they're like and the, the the town was under the water except the water was held back with berms and it was it was like the thing that the city that spoke French also, you know what I mean? There was all this strangeness that was definitely not Sevierville. Definitely not. Except we also have we also, we also have Cooters have named, in Sevierville. Cooter, right? Uh, see, you are on fire today, Mama. Drink her blue juice, <laughs> and uh, so I, I as like. as time went on, I think the same thing songwriting wise became that way about California. Yeah. And, and I, it was before I spent much time out there and in America to me, California was this promise, right? It was, you kept going until you hit gold. 
You know, you kept chasing, you could go to California, even in like the, even today, because of the idea of Hollywood, that you could go there and be famous. And somehow the whole world would change because California. And um, while none of that is really true, parts of it are, which is, I think, you know, the best lies have half truths in them, right? And uh, so I, I, I got obsessed with writing about California. Um, this first song I got to write with a, uh, a man that I met in California, actually. I was with, um, I was with uh, young Rita Wilson had invited me out to go uh, play one of her songwriter nights that she did at um, the Geffen Theater there at UCLA. And she, was, she, had, she had played at the Bluebird and got sort of obsessed with this idea that uh, entertainment like that didn't exist outside of Nashville. Like people just hadn't seen it. Mm -hmm. So she recreated that vibe in the middle of the Geffen and I went and, um, you know, her Rolodex of songwriter friends is just different than mine. And so I was sitting next to John Barry and, uh, then also next to, um, uh, Billy Steinberg and, uh, John Barry, which hopefully maybe I'll, I'll finish that song that we started. He and I did, he wrote do wa diddy and I'm going to the chapel. I'm going to get married. And <laughs> those little numbers, right? John Barry. Uh-huh. Different thing. Your love amazes me, John Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're in a different... This was like the beginning of rock and roll. Um, and the sweet man, uh, uh, older man, and it had wonderful stories about how that worked. And then the other man to my left, um, he was shorter than 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 John. And... Uh, uh, named Billy Steinberg and Billy was really nice. And I didn't really get the, like the list of songs he had written. Um, I, for whatever reason, I didn't shuffle through it as quickly as I should. And I'm, I'm usually very well prepared when I run in on these things. But as we discussed in a couple of episodes before, this was right in the same day that, um, I had been called by Jennifer to go to New York and suddenly record the first two songs for the upcoming new, what would become bigger album for Sugarland. Right. But I had to perform that night. <laughs> and these are the guys I performed with and we each trade our songs around. Right. And so after my song, um, uh, next came Billy Steinberg and he played like a virgin. And I was like, What? And then he kept going, but here, we're just going to quickly listen to uh, uh, some songs by Billy Steinberg, just so that you, you, we can get your head in the right place. Very good. When Billy did it, it didn't sound like this. But I did a double take. I was well, like, yeah. you wrote that? And he's like, yeah, but it was a, it was, can you believe this? It was a ballad. <laughs> wow. And then of course, through the, the course of the night, he played some of the other songs. I mean, like, I grew up on this stuff. 
And then you had to follow it. Oh, yeah. I touch myself. Remember this one? Of course. tell you like i'm a giant pretenders fan and when that came out i was like they're back (laughs) you know like and not even that they'd been gone but it was just it's just one of those things like i I didn't know um it must be the way i see sometimes when um (laughs) nowadays when i play a song on stage i'll bring out baby girl and a, a young songwriter will just look at me in the way i was looking at billy steinberg which is like, dude, I was 13. You know, like, that's my song. That, that taught me how to write songs. So I was really impressed uh, not knowing who he was mm-hmm. and then meeting him and then striking up a, a relationship. And one of the things that I, I found out, um, because I'm a pretty agreeable guy, I'm like, hey, let's go do something together. And he was like, I would love to. And then... He's like, let me send you some stuff to start working on. You know, uh, I, I'm at my house a little bit. He was having some physical troubles at the time, uh, medical stuff. And um, I said, sure. And he sent me four or five lyrics and then explained to me that he doesn't write music. He only writes lyrics. So he's a lyricist. Sure. And so I was immediately kind of taken aback this had only happened to me once before the guy named will jennings i had sought out to go write with he he, will's famous for writing the titanic theme song and up where we belong for officer and a gentleman and i went to him to learn how to write songs for movies um and uh will when i got there had a dude that plays piano (laughs) and i was like what is that guy doing here i thought we were writing a song he's like oh yeah i don't write i don't write music i just write the lyrics so um, there is an age of time where the lyricist and the musician were different. Mm-hmm. And both of these men, while it seems like um, uh, both Will and, and Billy existed in the you know 70s into the 80s into the 90s, right? And I just thought you had to be good enough at one or the other, or most of my co-writers end up having an advantage in one side or the other. Some guys are a great lyricist, but play decent guitar and some people that are like insane guitar players but like they're not the people that'll go for the rhyme but they'll go for the phrasing you know right um so the story that i picked the the lyric that i picked of billy's is this story of him and what it was like to go through this part of california as a kid okay one moment so does he then like bring you like a stack of lyrics for you to sift through? Like how do you said the lyric I picked of his? So right, how were you right, presented right, right. with okay, those Okay, that's lyrics? a good question. Um, so he sent me f- five lyrics and they were essentially in a doc file or a word file, right? And they, they kind of read like poems, 
but you could tell they were phrased a particular way. They were, they were, they were broken into paragraphs. Um, there was no chorus. There was no verse. So what I did is I created from it, I would take off certain words or take certain lines and stick them together. And then I made that into a chorus. And then I would take what's left and put them into verses. And then I would kind of poke and push around the music or the words to fit the music I was doing. But a lot of times what I did is I took the same music and played, tried to sing the lyrics in front of me over like all four of them or all five of them. And this is the one that stuck. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if this, you know, he might've been hoping to get a country music sounding song. Right. But I'm, I'm typically now, you know, me, I'm not always the one that's going to first, you know, give you your sad Johnny cash or your, you know, upside down George Strait. But I will definitely give you something you'll remember. Um, so when I was playing it through and playing it through, I, I had this little drum machine with me trying to get a rhythm to it. Cause I think that's what makes for me when I'm trying to make lyric work, it needs to work against rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then I can start screwing around with the melodies to where it'll get stuck in your head, but it has to phrase correctly. So right. I did this and I sent it back to him and he was like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is great. And then I didn't hear from him for like, I don't know, a couple years. And then he sent out an apology. He was like, man, I was sorry. I was sick, but I'm better now. Um, whatever happened to our song? I said, well, I recorded it, but I, I want to release it, but I'm in the middle of this Sugarland thing. And I, I didn't know how to tell him, like, I don't think this is going to be a Sugarland song. Right. But it could have been. It just, at the time, it I didn't have it finished by the time all this stuff was going on. And it, I didn't really want to explain to him because I didn't know him very well. Right. <laughs> you know, the politics of everything. And, uh, so I held on to it. And then when we started looking at songs for new blue, I originally thought, and you know, I've spoken about this a little bit, that it was going to be a love song record. Mm-hmm. And as I was digging through, I came across a whole different reality. Um, and the reality where I started to feel like the, the music that I made in the nineties and that I, that I ingested in the nineties and that I, I I made a part of like that taught me how to write has been showing up in all of my stuff and I've been somehow either denying it or hiding it. And, and it's just not worth doing anymore. Maybe it's worth leaning into that. Yeah. Well, I don't think you've been hiding it. I think that I don't think you've been denying it either. I think it's just been more like sitting in the corner with its hands folded (laughs) waiting Waiting to be acknowledged, yes, but not ignored or denied, just just there, just waiting. So uh, when I, I heard this, I, I I it was one of the first songs I picked for New Blue. Once I was thinking of it with that attitude, and it just sat there at the top of the little playlist that I made, and it never moved. And now it's the first song on the album. And funny enough, the record label when they heard it were like, "Man, that's great." can we use that one? I was like, Oh, I, I literally, I it was the first one I picked for the list. Not this is the one I think is the most important, but maybe it is. Well, it was the first one you chose. Yeah. And what, so. and here's, here's what I need to like admit out loud. Billy Steinberg's no joke. Like, look at this guy's track record. I mean, somebody was like, really? 
I made it through the wilderness. Is that really going to make it? Are you putting that at the top of your list? And what if Billy was right and is still right? Like, what if the DNA of how he makes music, especially lyric, is baked into this song? And I've just got to trust it that it has its own magic that I don't see because I've been sitting in the anxiety of country music for 20 years. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. If so, you're buying dinner. (laughs) All right. Well, here it is. Uh, uh, Diamond Motel. And um, what you'll hear on this uh, is literally, this is the day that I turned it into a song. I kept that lyric, that, that vocal. Diamond Motel Drinking too much Feeling pretty swell Right off Highway 86 A road to Mexicali Motorhomes cut to the Imperial Valley There's a pink neon sign Blowing like a jewel Santa and a wind Blew the tea into the pool I laugh at everything Cause reality is cruel it all so serious you feel just like a fool head sparkles like a diamond in the desert sun no one will ever find you you're safe from everyone they say one man's heaven is another man's hell what is real and what's a dream somewhere in Diamond Motel 
Very good. So I have a question for you. Okay, go. So you go sit down in a, in a writing appointment. Would you rather somebody say, here are these lyrics, write music to go with them, or here's the music, write lyrics to go with it? Hmm. Well, I can do both. Well, I understand that. But which one like makes your heart happier? Uh, okay. I think that I'm cheating when I'm putting music to lyrics. Why is that? Because music just falls out of the sky. It does for you. It does. It, it does. It, it totally falls out of the, like a melody. If you, if you showed me like the directions to your house in words, I could probably turn it into a song that's hooky. I know this about you, <laughs> but I struggle more, I think with writing the lyric and I, I think I'm self-conscious about that. And I, I went to college to learn to do those things, like to be a, a novelist, you know? So I, uh, and a poet and I, I think I, I, I carry a lot more pressure on myself about the lyric or, and maybe that's, there's another way to interpret that. I'm more insecure about uh, the lyric that I choose by instinct than mm -hmm. I am about the melody or rhythm that I choose by instinct. So instinctually, I feel pretty like, confident in the fact that the when the lightning bolt hit me at whatever point it did, afterward, I had automatic rhythm and melody times. Um, and I constantly think I'm a fake lyric writer, so I, I work really hard at it. Does that make hmm. sense? It, it does. Uh, maybe I just, I put too much personal information in my response. <laughs> no, no. But I think, you know, how many lyrics have you written that ended up on the radio? <laughs> a lot, actually. Right. So... Maybe. But here, check this out. Do you think that, and this is a great question to ask. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I don't have a good answer, but do you think that people are more drawn to the melody of the song or the lyric of the song? I think it depends on the genre. Okay. And I think it depends on the song. Okay. You know, like I'm a word person. Mm-hmm. So if the words are stupid, I'm out. Do you listen to anything in other languages? No. Huh. There's a, there's a, there's a test for you. Get into like um, some French. French is pretty easy. Spanish is pretty easy. Spanish goes by real fast. The French don't speak as, sing as fast. Mm -hmm. um, and see how you feel. Like maybe go find a cover song of a song you know well and listen to the French version. Well, you know, uh, country duo Cat and Alex that are out now. Mm -hmm. um, their whole thing at the moment. They're bilingual. They're they're running it in half of in Spanish, half of it in English. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been interesting to watch because. Well, trivia, then it's about the melody, right? Well, trivia. I found them, and they're in Nashville because. I hauled them here. Well, I didn't pay for it, but I was like, hey, management company. Oh, can you bring this in? Well, I worked yeah. with Alana Sophia for, for Scott and those guys. And she that was the whole idea, too, that she was going to sing her catalog. Her new catalog as a new artist was going to mm -hmm. be in English and also in Spanish. 
Um, I was really excited about that. I mean, even in Sugarland, we put that uh, "Let Me Remind You" on there, and I was using mm-hmm. reggaeton beats because you know the 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 little Irish kid, the little leprechauny guy, was doing it too. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I sometimes I space on his name. Um, what's the what's his, Ed Sheeran? I knew that's what you were going. Was going the well, little Ed, leprechaun. No, guy. I know he's just he's short and he's always happy and he brings magic. But uh, Ed Sheeran's had been using these like reggaeton beats. He's like doom doom ta doom doom ta doom doom ta, which were really um, those beats are not just Latin, but they're also specific. Some of them are Puerto Rican. And so I wanted to in, see if I could ingest that into country music because, you know, Jennifer fluently speaks Spanish, right? That's, that was her degree, I believe. I didn't know that. Uh, from Agnes Scott, was it? She's a, she has a Spanish degree. And um, thinking that we could eventually end up in that space, and you know, we were just, again, ahead of the curve. But um, I, do, I do think that there is something to a melody like john Lidge, uh john uh lennon's imagine mm-hmm. right that you could sing it in any language and it and it feels the same right you get the same dreamy right. thing but i'm curious because country music depends on the lyric twist you gotta speak english to get it well it helps or it helps it helps give a layer right so uh, that song to me, Diamond Motel, does not sound like the music and the lyric were def- ever separate. Oh, no. Of course not. No. They were. To me, they sound like they were written at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. Right. And it's proof in the pudding that, of course, this is the way things have been written for a long time. Right? Bernie Toppin and Elton John. Bernie wrote no music. It's just all lyrics. He gave them to Elton, and Elton would sit in for piano and just go, blah. I was like... God, that must have been awesome because, you know, Rocket Man doesn't sound like Rocket Man until you hit the right chords and you're like, ah, oh, Rocket Man. What I think is interesting to me is this pairing, I pair it with California because all of the words in Diamond Motel, like I don't, I had to look up what a Los Campesinos is, like the farmers. It's a slang term for farmers. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And while I was looking it up, I thought to myself, wow, California's full of dreamy things. You know, like my obsession is still here. So uh, this next song I wrote the same day I wrote Flip Flops. I didn't know that. And I wrote it with the same group group of guys. Uh, We wrote three or four songs in 45 minutes. Uh, Flip Flops was one of them. And this was the second one. and what was funny about it is I had to learn the highway system of L.A. in order to write this song. <laughs> right. But right. essentially, this is a guy who's sitting at a bar and he has driven all the way to California. All just imagine dream, somebody like me that had bought into the dream, went all the way to Santa Monica, got to a bar, sat there and is drinking to forget about his relationship in Tennessee. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, this story works within that space. It also was the first session I recorded for Southern Gravity. And this was recorded somewhat live in the third day's studio. So Mac Powell's place Mm -hmm. north of the city. And I brought a bunch. uh, The players on this are amazing. The um, 
the bass player and the and the um and the guitar player or one of them are from Cheryl Crow's band. Um then Andrew De Roberts is playing guitar, Brandon's playing on this, and then Lark and Poe are singing on it with me. So this is like an all-star Atlanta moment. They'd all gathered around Christian because he was in panic that he had to make a solo record for the first time in his whole life. And uh, so that's what we've got here. This is called Feeling Fine, California. I'm feeling fine in California. I'm doing fine right here in L.A. I love the sunshine and the way it warms you. People treat me so good here. Treat me so good here that I just might stay. Side to the civilized town There's a lot going on When the sun goes down All the hippies and the freaks Sitting out on Venice Beach They all got a game going They come at you from every angle And somehow you always know They're gonna win Yeah. 
I mean, that's a party. I love that song, but <laughs> and I because I haven't said it on this podcast, but I have on every other. I love that Southern Gravity album. <laughs> Thank I you. Think I have every song memorized, front, back, sideways, out of order, upside down, doesn't matter. I love that album. I love hearing that, and but it's now making more and more and more sense to me why it is important to work really, really hard on your albums. Yeah. Well, I mean that- because they will stay. And I mean, even the business people I've been talking to in the last couple of weeks, they're like, hey man, you know, 85% of all streamed music in the world is catalog. 200%. It's not new music. Mm-mm. It's not, it's like, that's like saying, uh, 85% of all radio broadcasts are songs you've already heard, right? If you, if you would admit, imagine that that was true, this is really what they're saying. 85% of every piece of music that you are putting into your life already existed. So there's some sort of value to doing it well. Of course. Like, like don't serve me fast food anymore. Right? Because I'm comparing it against a chef's life's work. You know? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> you're, you're never going to be the Beatles. <laughs> no matter what you try. But um, it, 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 it reminds me, you just got to work really hard. And gosh, I listen to that back. I just, that song I used to listen to over and over going, is that me? Is that actually me? I'm going to rewind that. I'm going to listen. It's like, is that me actually doing that? Oh my gosh. And then I started to realize, I was like, geez, these people I play with are so freaking good. That's just, they, I, and I know they're good. I empirically know it happens, but I'm like the last person to get it, even though I'm the person working the hardest on it. But man, I'm so glad you feel that way. I love that album. I'll say it again. I love that album. <laughs> So, uh, so California, I mean, I put it in a lot of songs. I just wrote a song for Ellis Paul, um, for his next record called gold in California, baby, come see the gold in California, um, about the sunset of the things that it is, that is not necessarily, um, we'll hear that one day, but yeah, I, I think pairing wise, that's how we, we start this, which is, uh, a collect this next album, this one we're in now, is a collection of music that I didn't realize belonged together. It's like you. It's like I had a Lego set that I thought had all these Legos, and I was gonna build like it was a kit. You it's a kit. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we're gonna build the Millennium Falcon. And as we were starting to build it, suddenly what we're doing is we're building like something completely different with the exact same pieces, and they all fit. It's like you have Millennium Falcon and Kit from Knight Rider. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you, anything you put David Hasselhoff in, you win. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge for a song. I'm going to be waiting Hasselhoff. to hear the David Hasselhoff song. You turn the something off. It's your Hasselhoff. Oh, you could use it as a, as a descriptor. You could. Yeah. Give me your best Hasselhoff. Turn, oh t- turn your hassle off. That's what, that's what like, Mm-hmm. Dumbass 
country people would do that wear hats and glasses called Hardy. Um, (laughs) Turn your hassle off is what they would say. Uh, Sorry. I did. I did that. Yes, I did that. I'm stepping finish it to now. Yeah. Give me one episode. I'll come back. Okay. All right. That was a good one, Cindy. Welcome to new blue. Woohoo. Blue is my favorite color. It's new. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.